lights. It's seven Friday night. Welcome to the newest episode of Seven Friday Night. But more important than that, welcome to Game Week. I'm Chase Bryson. I'm the editor of Sports Stars Magazine. And I'm joined, as always, by my trusted co-host, Beninos, who couldn't be more thrilled to call Shotgun on a Friday road trip to the Sac Joaquin section where live football action awaits this week. Ben, share some of that infectious enthusiasm. Hello, everyone. Yes, it's true. I was not fired last week after my abundant positivity caught the world off guard. I'll try to temper my enthusiasm a little bit this week. Or how about we get even more hyped? It's game week. Chase is right. The SAC Joaquin section gets rolling this week. So most of our conversation is going to be about all things SJS. Before we get there, though, and in an attempt to perhaps hold the attention of listeners from the rest of Northern California, we have something else that's mega that we can talk about. This week is one of our favorites of the year. The week that we release into the wild, the Sports Stars Football Preview Extravaganza. It's a collection of stories, players to watch, rankings, and basically an ode to the return of football season. Now, Chase, since you're the captain of this schooner, tell us a bit about how it came together and what folks can expect when they see it in the digital world tomorrow, Wednesday. So I'll first start. We we took a we want to take a real storyteller approach to this season's preview content. Yes, we did the usual preseason all NorCal teams and the NorCal top 20 team rankings, but beyond that, I didn't want to do a ton of lists and short item stuff. So we tried to look for some top storylines and produce some daily features for the website, along with the four that we're putting into the design digital issue that you mentioned uh, is releasing tomorrow, Wednesday. That digital issue is going to include a really cool trend story uh, that you pitched centering around how social media is critical to consuming and promoting high school football in 2022. So toss the listeners a bit of a teaser on your story and what you learned. And then I'll come back and say what, what else is in there. Yeah, no, they everyone should follow me on TikTok. <laughs> and, and if they're following me on TikTok, you're not following me because I'm not on TikTok. So sorry. Um, so yeah, you mentioned it every every year, probably like around late June, we start to get that bug, right? We start to think about ideas for what we feel might carry weight as a cover story in the fall. And maybe it's our background, but to, to me, that doesn't always mean I start thinking of players and games and stuff like that. I start thinking more globally, more what is confronting the world of high school football. It's something broad that applies to everybody, not just one city, one team, one player, uh, how many recruiting stars somebody has. So uh, as the summer went along, you know, I was starting to really notice that my social feeds were getting overrun with photos of college coaches showing up on local high school campuses. Um, you know, a photo of Nick Saban at Pittsburgh stands out in, in my memory um, as I started thinking about this. And I started thinking, you know, the, the way we approach high school football through social and digital media is really different than the way it was when we started doing this. Um, and shoot, maybe that just means we're getting old and <laughs> it, it probably does. 
Um, but I really do think that social and digital media have changed not only how we as reporters, but also coaches, players, programs, parents, everyone approaches the game and consumes high school football. Blocking and tackling haven't changed. Coaches rest easy. None of that has changed. It's all the same. But the way you get to see the blocking and tackling has changed. I can rewind it now uh, <laughs> in the comfort of my own home. And that didn't used to be the case. So that was our idea. We went out and talked to a bunch of folks who use social and digital media in the context of high school football. We spoke with some of the biggest recruits in NorCal. We talked to coaches. We even talked to one program's director of operations who's in charge of their social media. And spoiler alert, they're really good at it. You'll find out who it is when you read the story tomorrow. Uh, I just thought it was a really cool cross-section of folks who use social media differently in the context of high school football. And I think it turned out pretty well. It's an interesting trend story when it comes to to high school football and how we consume it now. So um, that that was my contribution primarily to this extravaganza. Um, you cranked out a ton more content and uh, helped me get to where I needed to go with that story. What did you find in kind of cranking out content for the mega edition? I'd first like to add that you did a really nice job in the story. I think it's going to, uh, I think a lot of people are going to enjoy reading it and as I read it and edited it, uh, it, it is obvious that, that social media is definitely a billboard for high school athletics in, in general, but really so in high school football. And it's a billboard to, to various degrees. It can be a billboard for a recruit. It can be a billboard for a program. And it can be, you know, it can be a learning tool. And you even touched on that and how uh, during COVID, some of the programs used it in video as uh as a way to to actually teach lessons and, and educate uh their roster so uh really good stuff by you in addition to that we have some of the some of the same uh type of features that we always put in uh to our our uh, norcal football preview we, we have features on teams from from three different sections in the preview issue and i wrote about pittsburgh and how the pirates have a real chance to be back-to-back ncs division one champions which is a big deal because it was 30 years between winning one and not winning one when they won last year. They have that it's a, a chance to really break through this year, though, to, to get to their second state bowl, the first one since 2017. Um, and the, the talent is everywhere for that team. And this may be its biggest window for some time. So that's what that story is about. And then rather than write about more front runners, we, we took a look at some different storylines in, in the other sections. Ike Dodson took a look at uh, the grant, uh, high, uh, the Grant Sacramento program, uh, proud programs, a traditionally very strong program, and it's making an effort to get back on its feet. And then finally, Mike Wood wrote about a West Catholic Athletic League team, but not any of the big four you may be thinking about. He checked in with Reardon of San Francisco and new coach uh, Adhir Ravapati, uh, who came over from Menlo Atherton after a three-year hiatus, uh, winning the bowl game, winning a state bowl game with Menlo Atherton in 2018. So that's the the digital issue. Uh, package uh, that'll also have the preseason all NorCal team and uh, it'll also redistribute the top 20. Uh, we'll even have a, a page in there on the, the perfect schedule. So we'll have our, what our pick for the best game of every week of the season will be. And so you can actually go to that and decide where you want to go each week. We might actually use it ourselves. Um, so yeah. That, that's where we're going. We'll also have more content coming out next week as we build up to NCS and CCS um, action starting. Uh, so there's still lots lots coming down the pipe for our, our preview content. 
I think the thing that excites me about the whole package is it's really going to set the tone for what you're going to see from us for the rest of the season. You know, we might show up at the game of the week, but it's not to tell you that someone rushed for 214 yards. It's to tell the story that we think is most compelling. Um, and, and that's, I think that's where we've thrived in the past and that's where we'll continue to go as the season goes along. Um, you can get the scores and stats from lots of places. Um, we like to tell the stories. So um, that's what we're going to do. And that's what we've done in this edition. So I think we're all pretty proud of it. Now it's time to narrow our NorCal focus and key in on one section. The one that's playing games this week, the sack walking section gets to be the center of the NorCal football universe this week as it opens with a full slate of non-league games. To help you get primed, we invited Sports Stars writer and photographer Ike Dodson back to the show. Let's dive into that discussion now. Well, in order to truly get a sense of what's going on in the Sac Joaquin section this year, we thought we'd welcome our old pal and master of both the Matt and the Marvel Universe, Ike Dodson. Ike did a ton of work on the aforementioned Sports Stars football preview extravaganza. So who better to ask about all things Sac Joaquin section, as well as the best spots to get a good meal in the Valley Oak League neighborhood? <laughs> it's Ike. Ike, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be back. Ike, you've been obviously, like Vince said, hard at work turning out preview content. Your story on the crowded field of talented Sac Joaquin section running backs has been up on the website since last week. In, in the beginning of this episode, we talked about uh, your story on Grant, which releases in the preview on Wednesday. You got some Valley Oak League primers coming our way later in the week. I want to ask you, what's one or two things that stood out to you while reporting on these stories? Like, what's what's the few thing, a couple of things that you took away that really stood out? I think one is I, I was surprised that the the impacts of that COVID year are like still being felt. Like you would think it's so far removed. You know, teams played a full season last year. We had a postseason, right? Um, but in almost every interaction with coaches and players, they still reference it. Like it was still, um, you know, it was still so difficult for so many programs consistency is so difficult to achieve and it really like smashed a hole in that bedrock so I think um, teams are hopefully you know in future interviews it's not on their mind so much because they've moved on but um, I think that was my one of the things I found most surprising was teams were still referencing that that COVID year I talked to uh, Oakdale coach Trent Merzon and he even um, called it half a year basically he was talking about the number of years that he's been coaching and he had a 0.5 at the end and he was calling that the COVID year. So like, I think um, a lot of teams are, are looking to turn the page and, and start to develop that consistency. So I think that's what impressed me. It's interesting. The um, I would think that coaches would regard that COVID year as like 1.5 years because they had to do so much work, you know, it's yeah. just coming back. It, it's been such a, a grind for everybody. As you were reporting all these stories, I'm mostly interested to ask you, uh, specifically about all these running backs that we can expect to see in um, the SJS this year. How fun was it to kind of dig in and, and dive into that topic and some of the real playmakers that we're going to see uh, this year? It, it was fun because I got to look at like, who were the like sort of normal like favorites that you would look at just based on last year's numbers, you know, who's returning, you know, that rush for over 2000 yards or, you know, um, and so on one hand, I got to look at some of those, you know, heavy, heavy favorites. Um, 
And, uh, you know, obviously I think Blake Nicholson was a top bar list, uh, Karan Borders over in Antelope, um, uh, you know, uh, Radcliffe over at Sacramento. We had so many uh, great players to kind of in that sort of echelon. But then you just can't ignore the kind of teams that just turn out like constant power runners either way. Like it doesn't really matter who it is, they're going to shine. Um, and so it was good to take a look at those schools and try to see like, well, who's going to emerge? Because if they do, then they're potentially going to be a top bat list. And I think um, Placer's had, you know, um, a premier running back amongst the ranks every single year because every year they have amazing offensive linemen and, and they mostly run the ball. And this year's no different. They have offensive linemen with the top flight scholarships, um, you know, multiple guys getting looks on that offensive line. And then they return, uh, you know, a strong, powerful running back who had over a thousand yards in four appearances last year. Um so, I mean, that kid's just going to be up there, and most people don't know his name, um, and it's uh, Costas Luxic, um, and he's going to be awesome this year, I bet, and uh, they're going to move around the ball around quite a bit because they do have a lot of talent, and the wing tee will hit you from everywhere, but I would imagine he's going to be the one who emerges, so it was kind of fun to look at those schools, you know, like, who's going to be El Groh's guy because they had uh, a running back, quarterback rushing combo. Those guys are gone. Someone has to fill those roles. And so I think it was uh, Morales that we kind of targeted as who we expected to kind of stand out there. So it was fun to do that. I talked to the Central Catholic coach um, uh, for, for that story as well and kind of tried to imagine who, who their star would be. And we kind of, you know, so that was a fun story to write to kind of look at the, the future of those high rushing programs. Who does Trent Merzon think is going to tote the rock for Oakdale this year? Um, well, it sounds like it potentially is a guy by the name of uh, Jace Rao. R-A-U. He's a senior. They have ultimately, um, it looks like four different guys who will run the ball um, out of their wing tee system. And the quarterback's actually going to be his son, um, Mick Merzon. Um, and uh, that's a kid who are, I, I used to work for the Oakdale leader. And when I um, left that area back in like 2013, he was still running around in the, the Oakdale varsity jersey is like a ball boy. And he was so much a part of the program as a young kid, you know, and so it's so weird that he's now a senior. He's like, you know, six, six feet, 185 pounds. He's just like a, you know, just hulking dude. And um, when I left, he was just a little kid. He was just, he was just part of the program. So it's interesting how, how fast time passes there. And, you know, now that uh, Trent's had, you know, his uh, 22 and a half years counting COVID uh, with the program, next thing you know, his son's now the, the starting varsity quarterback. So that's cool. But yeah, Jace Rao, Zach Stott, uh, Brian Delty, and then a wrestler by the name of Garrison Gerber um, will probably take the rock up the middle a little bit. Oakdale sure. wrestlers are pretty good. Mm -hmm. There's our first wrestling reference. Actually, it's second because <laughs> I referenced the mat. Um, time does fly faster in the wing tee. It's just a proven, it's a proven fact. <laughs> um, well, let's, uh, now that we've got the, the runners out of the way, let's dive into what fans can expect this season kind of more broadly in the Sac Joaquin section. We've tasked you with coming up with your top three storylines in the Sac Joaquin section this year. And I fully plan to take this as the absolute gospel all season long. So don't let us down. What are Ike Dodson's top three storylines we should be following this year in SJS football? Okay, so one, I thought there was a really interesting um, coach swap. So I think coach coaching coaching changes in general, I think, are really interesting. Um, you know, I think it was uh, Jim Q that did the story on uh, Oak Ridge um, and seeing um, Casey Taylor kind of move on to that program. I think his second year of the program is going to be really interesting. Um, but I think overall, a lot of the different coaching changes – um, 
that we're seeing, I think that's going to be the real, like, who's building a dynasty here, you know? And so like, for example, over at, um, over at Ripon High School, um, my alma mater, uh, my former coach who went to Sierra became the athletic director and coach of Sierra football, um, Chris Johnson, now is back as an assistant with Ripon. Um, and, uh, you know, he achieved some, some good success at, at Sierra. They won a section title. Uh, and now he's back with a Ripon team that, you know, not to, what was it, 2019, they won a state title. Um, so I thought that was interesting. He's coming back working with uh, Chris Messman, his former assistant. Um, so I thought that was just an interesting coaching swap. And then Jeff Harbison, who is the former coach of Sierra, who won a state title with Sierra, now he's back at Sierra. So you have a two kind of former coaches going back to their um, their old squads, which you don't see a lot of. So I thought um, the coaching changes in general and seeing how these coaches progress is probably one of the major storylines for this season. Uh, my number two storyline is can Rockland stay elite? Will the Rockland Thunder continue to be that elite team that was just dominant during different por portions of last year? Because, um, and they truly were, you know, they they struggled in that playoff game against um, St. Mary's. And then obviously things went the way they did in the, in the championship game against Folsom. But for, the, for Rockland, I think to achieve what they want to do, they have to continue to be elite throughout the year. They have to dominate on defense as they did last year. So I'm really interested to see if that group of, you know, kind of young coaches over in Rockland is going to keep that team thriving and, um, and and have them be part of the conversation as Folsom is every year. Definitely. I thought the same uh, when I was putting together the, the NorCal top 20 for us uh, and where I should really put Rockland because they lost a lot. They lost, I mean, they only returned, I think maybe two starters on offense. So that's a lot to replace and it's a lot to be on the defense early in the season uh, to kind of hold the water and, until the offense comes along. So I, I definitely think that's a storyline worth watching is, is I know they're out to prove that they weren't a fluke and they'll have a chip on their shoulder, but I don't know, man, it's going to be tough. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, and then my third, my third storyline is basically just going to be like, who am I going to pull up on my cell phone? and shove in your faces during our NorCal meeting and be like, this is the guy that has to be on the first team. Like if you remember last year, it was a uh, P to V over uh, in Elk Grove and he wasn't on anyone top of anyone's list, but I'm like the eye test, he was dominant the whole game. He eye test. And then um, it took showing you the huddle. Um, and you're like, well, if he's going to just strip sack people all day, then I guess, <laughs> I guess we have to, um, so I think that's what I want to know. Like, who's going to just sensationalize us with that big power play? Who's going to be the the Dawson Grueler of 2022? That's going to be just decleaving people on video. Um, so I'm I'm just excited to see who's going to stand out. You know, especially on defense, who's gonna who's gonna just take over games? Um, and I think it may be some people that we we didn't expect. Um, so I'm excited to see that. Outside of some of the big, uh, like the big the big teams, like we have Folsom. Central Catholic, we'll even put Rock on there for now. They're in our top 10. What's the one team that you like? What's the one team that's really not in the main conversation that you'd like to actually see in person this year? Vanden. I want to see Vanden. And now you may consider them in the main conversation, but in my opinion, in Sacramento football, people aren't walking around talking about Vanden. Like they just aren't. They even after they won a state title, like no one's really screaming Vanden from the rooftops. <laughs> uh, but I think that after this year, maybe they will. Um, so that's one assignment that I'm looking to chase down from you this year is to like get me out of Vanden game. You're going to chase down an assignment from Chase. I chase, like this. Yeah. 
I paused like just a little yeah. bit to like let it be subtle, but yeah. I saw what you did there. That was, that was strong <laughs> wordplay. Um, yeah, Vanden, that's a good call. Um, I've actually been struck. I mentioned this to Chase a couple uh, maybe weeks ago. Um, there are recruitable, highly recruitable athletes at Vanden, Rodriguez, and Armio this year. Fairfield football. Gonna, that's something to pay attention to this year. That might be your story, Ike. You go see Vanden. Maybe you see Vanden play Rodriguez, and and then you'd be in good shape to tell that story. Absolutely. All right, uh, Ben. Did you have anything else you wanted to ask Ike? I mean, nothing that we can air. <laughs> Do you guys want to talk Bol at all? Uh, I think we'll probably get we're we're gonna have some uh some Bol uh chatter during picks, so. Okay. Uh, you can expand on that there. So um, actually, I just um, let the cow out of the bag. So you can all hear Ike again Thursday when we'll put his uh, SJS knowledge to the actual test and include him in our picks episode, our first picks episode of the year. But until then, uh, thanks for stopping by, man. We appreciate it. Happy to be here. All right, man. We'll see you soon. And now we're going to take a quick timeout for a quick message from Sports Stars Magazine's podcast partner, the California Army National Guard. At some point, your community will be challenged. It could be a flood, forest fire, hurricane, or civil unrest. When it happens, be the one to answer the call. Rescue the stranded, protect the threatened, save the injured. Join the National Guard and serve your community when it needs you most. Visit nationalguard.com to find out more. Well, Ike delivered the goods as usual. That was technically his third seven Friday night appearance, which I'm sure he'd be proud to know ranks him ahead of everybody, but the man we'll talk to next. Our weekly chat with Coach Terry Eisen touched on philosophies of schedule making, as well as his memories of when De La Salle first began adding sack walking section opponents. Time for our visit with the old ball coach. And we're back in the presence of greatness yet again, as we welcome our weekly pillar of football knowledge, Coach Terry Edson. Coach there are actual games this week, and I know you've been setting up for this segment. Welcome to the show. I still can't believe there's games this week that we're starting in July. I mean, my goodness. Uh, am I that old that we, we used to start after Labor Day? Does anybody remember that? And what is, what is considered summer anymore, Ben? That's what I want to know. I mean, what, June? Is that summer now? And and are these coaches getting more money because they're working way longer? You go to state, you're going from July to December. I hope uh, marriages stay intact. That's my only goal <laughs> for these high school coaches. Yes, you are. You're not that old. We remember Labor Day being the line of demarcation as well. Heck, Chase's kids have been in school for a couple of weeks. It seems like now, so. I don't, I don't know what vacation is anymore. Um, Christmas and uh, spring, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it, since they are getting rolling in the Sac Joaquin section this week, the first topic of conversation we've got for you is we thought we'd talk a little bit about early season scheduling uh, because there are various ways that coaches approach it. And it occurs to me that at various points during your coaching career, De La Salle sometimes would open with a really tough test and sometimes open with an opponent you might have considered a little bit easier to deal with. Did, did you ever have a preference as a coach and as someone looking to set up the, the rest of a schedule? Was it better to start 
with an opponent like Folsom, who you told us last week you worked on like all summer, or was it better to start with someone a little less prolific? Well, you know, um, we're not college, right? So college, you know, if you're, if you're uh, Michigan, you might be able to bring in, uh, think of a t Eastern Kentucky and pay him uh, $300,000 to come play, you know, come play you at Michigan to get a game. Well, high school, as you know, is not a profitable adventure. So the first issue you have, and I had this when I was the AD, and then when uh, Leo Lopez took over and I was, we talk about the schedule, at least if you're De La Salle High School, I, I'm not speaking for every high school, but if you're De La Salle High School, the first issue you have is who's gonna play you. It's, there's not a lot of people banging on our door that, that wanna play us. And then the second thing is, uh, if you do get someone to play you, I got news for you. They're probably going to be pretty good. <laughs> Teams will call when they think they have a team that, you know, they want to test them. So th those are a couple of issues. And then we try to stay as much as possible in, in the preseason. We try to stay as I should in quotation marks as Catholic as possible and get as many Catholic schools as we can. We think uh, we enjoy playing the Catholic schools, which, you know, basically we have the same mission statements. As the other thing is, you know, the ESPN. So if you want to be on national TV, which is great for your kids to play on ESPN, I think everyone gets excited about that. You're at the whims of what ESPN wants, to, wants you to be on. So if they say, hey, you're playing that, you know, we want you to play this before, it'd be like, can, you know, they wouldn't set up the game, but they talk about this team wants to play you. If you want to play them, we'll put that one on TV. So, you know, like sometimes you don't have a choice. That's why, you know, we went to Texas, you know, to play Trinity that one time. Um, there's other games, you know, I could tell you about, you know, we could talk about that we've done that. But so you're kind of at the, uh, the whims of a lot of different things here that make your schedule. So the bottom line is, you know, for us, we just didn't have a lot of choices. We still don't have a lot of choices. <laughs> since we're uh, since we're talking about the the Sacramento Kings section today, uh, over your years coaching there, how much were you aware of the SJS? And I'm sure you kept tabs on it some because of your desire to give your team strong tests from outside the area. But how much do you think teams like like how much do you think Grant did for the section by winning that first Open Division bowl game? Uh, I feel like suddenly there were a number of programs that raised their games after that. Folsom clearly being one of them that I think kind of got born out of that um, yeah, era. Ex uh, yeah, Grant and Folsom. But, you know, I really like uh, we were talking about the first school I thought that kind of brought notice to the San Joaquin section was a Nevada Union. And that was the, the team that we played, you know, in the 90s. Uh, and that was Nevada Union was when I knew Justin Allenbaugh was going to be a great coach because he was a senior and they were coming to our place. And not only did he, okay, he gave him a scout report, he watched film, but he got on the field and he started calling out their formations and, and Nevada Union was getting all flustered. He's going, here comes the fly sweep. Here comes the, uh, he's telling everybody what was coming. And I was like, holy smokes. I mean, he was, uh, then as senior, you can knew then like that guy is going to be a great coach. I mean, he's a coach on the field as a senior. I mean, he had Greg Brown Davis, who's also coaching in our program. Those two were just uh, 
uh, really smart players. And um, because of that, you know, a lot of times people used to look at those guys and go, God, you're, you're blitzing a lot with those guys. I go, I'm not blitzing those guys. They just know what's coming and they're just reacting. And you just think like they're blitzing. And that was uh, Justin and Greg all, all the time. But that's when I knew Justin was going to be great because he could devour scouting reports and quickly too. Like you look at the scouting report and it was pretty extensive what Coach Ladd used to do in like 25 minutes, he'd have it down. By the time he, by Monday came around, he was calling out the plays of the other team when they'd line up. So I was like, this guy is going to be, you know, he was a, that's what made him a great football player. That's what makes him a great coach. His preparation and understanding what's going to happen. When did the SJS schools kind of start to become common on, on De La Salle's schedule? Um, you know, Nevada Union was kind of, I would say in the 90s, probably that was an outlier, right? You weren't scheduling teams from that section all the time. But then as the years went on, you know, like you said, St. Mary's Stockton was always on De La Salle's schedule. Well, yeah, another, another Catholic school. Right. And uh, Tony, you know, we had a great relationship uh, with Tony and their – and their, Jim Bruzo was their athletic director at the time. And he was a freshman baseball coach when I, I used to coach freshman baseball against him. So I knew him. So we, you know, we kind of, it was a Catholic thing. We started getting, the, you know, we started really concentrating on getting to Catholic schools. And, and I, I always appreciate St. Mary's Stockton and, and coach Franks is there. They're never afraid to play in competition. He's always been that way. We've always had a great relationship with them and they've always had great athletes and, um, you know, they make you uh, prepare and, and work. And, uh, you know, they, they, they got the kind of speed too at St. Mary's of Stockton that you're, you're going to see against, you know, down, if you're going to play down South and you're going to play those teams. So they're always a great opponent. Um, and then you're right. I mean, no doubt, you know, Grant, you know, won the state. And then of course, Browning got, you know, Folsom, they started, I think when he, they started setting all those records, you know, that's when, when as passing records and scoring records and, you know, but back then, you know, we didn't play them in the preseason because they, they, they won, you know, they, we had that NorCal game and they didn't want to wreck their chances from those. We started playing them more uh, just in the playoffs, but then as things evolved, we started playing them on a, a regular season. I mean, it's an exciting game. People show up for it. It's always going to be a good game. They run the spread, which most teams in, in Southern California do. So that's going to be good for us, good test for us. And, and we're a good test for them. So it worked out really well. Well, that's uh, that's all we've got for you for this episode. But fear not, fans of the ball coach. Terry returns later this week with his inaugural Sac Joaquin section picks. And he'll be picking games that Chase actually provided well in advance for a change. So for now, we say thanks, Terry, for joining us, and we hope you have an enjoyable week of school. Always have an enjoyable week of school. <laughs> All right, Coach. And that will wrap this episode up. We'll be back again on Thursday with our first pick'em episode of the season. Also, be sure to stay locked on to sportsstarsmag.com as we will continue to release NorCal preview content all the way up to August 26th when the rest of Northern California action is set to begin. We want to thank our guest Ike Dodson for joining, as well as Coach Edson for making his usual stop. We build seven Friday night using Anchor, but the show is available on several platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, 
Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. If you listen to shows on one of those platforms, search for 7 Friday Night, and please rate and subscribe and follow and all of that. Each of our episodes also get their own dedicated page on Sports Stars Magazine's web home, sportsstarsmag.com. You can stream the episode there, find links to the various other platforms, and check out a variety of bonus items that we tend to include. Also, follow the show on Twitter at, at SportsStarsPods, and you should also be following Sports Stars Magazine at, at SportsStarsMag. That's where you'll get all the latest updates on upcoming guests and more. Our cover art features photography and design by yours truly, and our theme music was produced by Dustin Phillips. That's it. Ben, any final thoughts? Yeah, it's just really, uh, we used this term a lot last year, but it's really exciting just to see actual game action coming up. Uh, It's exciting to get our preview edition out into the public because um, we take a lot of pride in it. So I'm excited to see that. So excited for some uh, work to be out there, excited to see football games, excited to ride the river road with you once again this year. Um, just uh, happy to be back and, and ready to do this thing for real. All right, let's do it. We will, uh, we'll see you guys on Thursday for our pickup show. And, uh, and then again next week. Adios. Peace. Let's roll, boys.